and just moving forward and learning stuff. Yeah. So, uh, well, as long as I'm well, learning, I'm I always say, you know, the day that you don't learn anything is the day you die, I guess. Exactly. Uh... That's right. Uh, so, Pierre, I want to thank you. Uh, what, did I just call you Pierre? Yes. That's an honor. Yeah. Well, it's my second interview today. I'm, I, I'm getting old. <laughs> Hello, peoples. Told you we were back for good. Stay tuned. Lots more episodes on the way. And speaking of which, I don't know which platform you use to listen to the Backstage Cowboys podcast, but you can access it anywhere. Of course, you can always check it out on the BackstageCowboys.com website, but you'll also find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Store, and Stitcher. If you like the podcast, be sure to share it on social media and tell all your friends about it. Now, if you're anywhere near my age, you already know Paul Peltier, my next guest. Among many other things... He's one of the masterminds behind the famous Martin lighting consoles from the light jockey to the Maxis to the M1. Paul's career and experience is very impressive and inspiring. He gave way to a whole new generation of lighting consoles and by ricochet lightboard operators with the help of my other friend, Pierre Roy. What's funny is that after I invited Paul on the podcast, he actually took the time to write his life story. So this is going to be good. We'll dive right into the interview right after this. The Backstage Cowboys podcast is brought to you by AVL Media Group and Avolites, who make the best lighting consoles in the world. If you live in Canada, you now have access to the Avolites Academy online learning platform. The cost is $229, and that includes an editor Avo key delivered directly to your door. Head on over to BackstageCowboys.com and click on the Avolites Academy logo to get all the details. Now, if you don't live in Canada, well, that means you're in another country. So if you're in the United States, head on over to Avolites.us. Anywhere else in the world, just go directly to Avolites.com and you'll find all the resources available in your country. And now, let's get on with the show. Here is another episode of the Backstage Cowboys podcast. Stand by theme song and go. Hey, Paul, how's it going, man? Hey, good, good. Thanks for the invite. That's, uh, well, thanks for being there. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, I don't know if you're aware of this. You're a legend. So uh, am I? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows Paul Petsy. Yeah. Mean, so well, some. Yeah. Uh, no, I've been around. Yeah, I've been around for a little while. So, yes, I guess uh, some people know me. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So, uh, listen, I'd like to start, like, if, if, if by any chance one of our listeners doesn't happen to know who you are i'd like to start by what you're doing right now and then we'll work our way back and and okay. figure out how you got there <laughs> <laughs> well i'm a global brand manager for a brand called chroma q uh brand of led products mainly in the professional world tvs a lot of the tv and the cinema world um and i've been doing that for uh, four and a half years now uh, at Chroma Q. And prior to that, I was 
I've been really known for working for Martin Professional for uh, a long time before that. So that's uh, all right. As a global, yeah, and as a global brand manager, it's pretty broad because it's also product manager. It's like a, we can get in detail later on, but yeah, so it's a pretty. It's not just like marketing. I, I do a lot, like a lot more. Which I like to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 I I know you particularly for your involvement with Martin, uh, with with the consoles. Yeah, uh, that's when I guess yeah. we we met. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's when we met. I, and I have a, a a little anecdote on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was once invited oh, oh. <laughs> to see the M1 uh, before the official launch, and um, Nikada, I think the guy he, uh, who called me, and he, he says, uh, "Come and see this. Come and see this." And back to, back then, we were working with uh, Sparks and Space Sabers. You know, Compulate was yeah, pretty yeah, much I remember that. Yes, you know the thing. So uh, I go over and I have a look at this board, and wow, it's interesting. Really, really cool. Especially you know, from a guy working with a Spark, for me it was like wow, releva- uh, re- revelation. You know. And I said, hey, this is cool. I said, I'm going to take it with me. I, I, I'm, I've got a couple shows coming up. I'd like to try it. And you guys says, well, you can't take the console. I said, why can't I? He says, well, it's Paul's prototype. I said, well, call him. <laughs> so I got to know was, what yeah, I have it, here. No. Yeah, yeah, so no, I don't know good. how this happened, but somehow I walked away with the console under my arm and uh, drove over to Quebec City, did a couple shows with it, and, and I was really amazed. I, I came back and I said, yeah, okay, you guys really built a real yeah. console there. <laughs> Actually, that's funny now that you say that because um, in the in the chat on Facebook, I looked, I went back and said, oh, what was the first conversation we had? And it was exactly about that. <laughs> on the center. It was in 2010. So, yeah, 12 years ago. <laughs> wow. Wow. Time flies, man. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and I know your uh, your involvement with the Maxes. I mean, uh, so since we're talking about that, I, I you know I know you were involved in the process of of creating those consoles, but w- what exactly was your role in all that? Well, there's been I would say several chapters uh, in, in 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 this. I mean, like uh, I got involved uh, if we step back. Long time ago, I mean, started in 1992 was my first involvement with Martin uh, directly. Uh, it was at the, I met I met a fellow at uh, LDI, Jens Peter Anderson, who was at the time the head of uh, doing the uh, uh, the 2032, which was a software, and then he was also working on the 3032. These were DOS-based software, but they were mm-hmm. graphic, so there was like that was the difference between anything else on the market. Yeah, you could see gobos on the screen. You could click on the gobo, and while instead of typing in values or using sliders or faders to get to your value, you had a a graphical screen. So to me, that was the attraction there. And uh, so I met this this guy, and then we, you know, uh, we got became became friend pretty quickly. We started exchanging facts and not emails. That was at the time there was facts, <laughs> and um, <laughs> so uh, and we, so we got in touch and then you know uh, tried to improve the software. He was really happy to get some feedback, and from there you know a uh, lot of things happened after that. You know, in terms of uh, involvement with them, um, and then came the, um, the the light jockey in 1998, uh, which was I was involved in into it. And uh, at the, around the same time, actually around 95, they 
partnered with a company in Belgium uh, called Case, uh, and they were doing uh, sorry, called RN International. They were doing a console called the Case controller, which was there was some, quite some innovative things into that, and uh, so that was in '95. And uh, uh, in uh, uh, at some point, this company got involved into developing a controller for Martin. And that was the Maxis. Mm -hmm. So the Maxis was a joint venture between this company in Belgium and Martin Professional in Denmark. And uh, because at that point I was like, there on a regular basis, I was going to Denmark at, you know, three, four times a year. So I got I got dragged into this and uh, to, to to bring the idea. And then of course I was really happy to do that. So that's where my involvement in in, uh, in the. Uh, in the uh, in the Maxis started. I was not writing code for that specifically. I was actually I did write some code for the light jockey for plugins for the light jockey mainly. Okay. And what happened later on is the plugins I did for light jockey. Uh, I was asked to port them to the uh, to the M series, mm. uh, which I did. And that's so I like I said I didn't write code directly for the Maxis software or even the M series after, but the plugin that were used uh, called uh, the uh, 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 well, there was like Jockey Manager and then became uh, Maxis Manager and then M-Series Manager after this was uh, all my uh, my involvement. Wow. So, uh, and then, of course, of course, bringing ideas all the time. And I wasn't alone. There was a team of people uh, there and we were always bringing ideas and creating nightmares for the uh, developers. <laughs> mm. So, uh, but yeah, so that was the, that was the involvement, uh, in, in, in the, in that project until, sorry, if I, I don't know, I go pretty wide there, but like okay, uh, no until, problem. so, so it was the Maxis until, um, uh, 2008 and 2008 is when I left at, at the time I was working, my real job was actually working for uh, Ericsson Pro in Canada as a product specialist. So that was my full-time job and the extra that I did was for uh, Martin in Denmark. But um, And uh, in 2008, I was asked to take over the uh, product management uh, for the controller in Denmark. So I quit Ericsson Pro and then I started working there. And, and it was still called Maxis, that project at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we decided, me and Matthias Henrich, who was my uh, partner in, in crime there um, uh, in product management, we decided to rebrand it. Uh, we never personally, both of us never liked the word Maxis. We have, people didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> pronounce it uh, so we said, you know, it's time to, to do something. And uh, M the M uh, was used all along in the controller way back to the first controller that Martin did in 1987, 88, things was 88, uh, called the M2208. So, and then it was the M3230, 3232, uh, until the light jockey. Light jockey didn't have the M letter, but I said, you know what, let's reuse that. So let's start with M and mm -hmm. then we're going to put some numbers. We're going to keep it simple instead of trying to find some funky names <laughs> that people cannot pronounce. So it was, and then the first console was the M1. It was that, well, that's the first one. It's called the M1. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and only to find out after we released it that Jens in, in Australia had a small console called M1, which I never heard of at the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah, exactly. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yours, uh, yeah, yeah, yours, yours is the only one we remember. <laughs> I remember the Maxis. Uh, I, I had a, the occasion to work a few times. 
uh, with the Maxis, and I used to love those huge chrome buttons. I mean, you know, for for a guy slowly getting old and losing his eyesight, I mean, for me, it was the perfect board. <laughs> I wish they'd bring back the old radios in the car with the big chrome buttons. The big, yeah, yeah, yeah. the big. Uh, <laughs> I hate touchscreens. That, that, that was a, that, that actually that was one concept on the uh, on the Maxis to, to to make it make the the, the tactile very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and look nice looking at the same time. The first fader cap picture that were made were scrapped because they were actually beautiful, but they were, your figure was slip on them. So <laughs> then a new design came up with a bit more of, of a bump, so that you can your finger will get the, will sit in it and stay there. Yeah, so. work in progress. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's on the field that you can see if something works or something doesn't, right? Yeah, yes, exactly. In a cat, it's always good. Until, yeah. yeah, exactly. Until. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I like to ask uh, this question. You don't have to answer, but how old are you? I'm going to be 52 uh, in a few weeks. Okay. So, uh, yeah. All right. So, still, still, still young. Of course. Well, you, 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 I'm 57. So, <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, so, let's go back in time. I, I mean, you know, obviously, you have a lot of uh, a lot of luggage. <laughs> you, have, you have a lot of experience there. You've done a lot of stuff. Um, so, I mean, before uh, you know, working in the in the, I don't know if you can call it distribution or production or uh, manufacturing world. Uh, what where do, where do you come from? What 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 did you do before? Well. Uh... I was interested actually when you when you called me uh, for this uh, uh, thing and uh, for this uh, podcast and it's like oh I never th- the one thing I, ne- I thought about doing before I never did was to just write down start you know young you know, write down what I did you know I, I know but I never wrote it down well so. I, I you know I feel like I'm I'm gonna open that door I'm, I I <laughs> yeah. think that you, yeah grab your notes and go right ahead my friend tell me your story so, from the so, beginning so, so, yeah actually, and uh, so very young you know like young young and talking like seven eight years old I would, electronic electricity and all this was a big interest for me and i was always trying to come up with something i invented a, a fuse blowing machine uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was a socket where you put a fuse in and you flip the switch and the fuse blows and until, until you put a 30 amps then it didn't work then you can figure out why because the the other fuse at the end <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my that's where you learn. Jar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My mother has this jar with all the fuses, those those uh, screw-in fuses. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I went through the jar and I tried to. <laughs> there was a little spark. It was interesting. Did anyway, you, did you so, end up putting a penny behind the fuse at some so, point? Uh, no, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that trick. I wish. <laughs> Maybe that's why you're still <laughs> alive. <laughs> So that anyway, so some for some reason my, my, my parents never stopped me from doing things. I was like, you know, was always going. I was going to the scrapyard and getting motors and uh, whatever, bring that home and plugging that and trying things. So um, then also really young, actually ten years old, uh, there was a convenience store uh, almost next door. My brother, my older brother, um, which was, uh, he was uh, 16, was went out to a college, which was outside of town, and but he was working at that convenience place. So the day that my brother left to go to that college, uh, I went to the convenience store and I said to the owner, I said, I'm here to uh, to replace my brother. 
take over like you know and he's like really like yeah I said okay so i got a job at 10 years old and there's no fling up the fridge and you know doing the uh, basic things and uh, so i worked there from actually until i was 18 but i started basically piling up some money and uh and you know, I would spend all this money. I would go to uh, there was uh, later on. That was probably around when I was about fourteen or uh, thirteen, fourteen. I would go to the electronic stores and buy components and try to put things together, amplifiers and things like that. Uh, at some point, I got lucky. There's a in in our basement. There was a part of the basement that was closed. There was like a room, and they uh, my parents rented that to their one of their friend, and he, what he was doing was car amplifiers. Oh, pure class A car, uh, uh, car mm. amplifiers with balance in and out transformers, and he was building each one of them by hand. And uh, so I learned a lot with him. I learned my electronics, my basics of electronic with him. I learned how to uh, bend metals, and you know, I was helping him doing the heat sink, which was made of uh, aluminum mm. sheet that were just bent. And so that was, you know, good knowledge there. And it's also when I start learning about music because he was, of course, he was listening to music all the time and uh, some good old classic Pink Floyd. And so I developed a taste for music because until then I was quite, I would say, more of a nerd staying uh, like playing in the basement, but not, you know, having not much uh, going. Uh, I was not much going out with playing with friends and stuff like that. I was more in the basement. So... That fast forward a little bit later, uh, at 14 years old, uh, that's 1984, uh, I'm invited to a party. I think it was a St. Valentine party, something like that, in the school, and uh, by some other friends. Uh, and uh, so I go there. And uh, when I get there, I'm not interested in the girls or anything, uh, dancing. That's not, <laughs> I see the DJ in a corner, and I so I'm looking at him, I'm just look, looking at what he's doing. It's like, oh, that's interesting, you know, and he's got a mixer and a couple of turntables. And, uh, and after watching him for, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 minutes, he just passed me the headphone. And he said, you continue. Then I realized I treat equipment that was not, was not his, that was actually the school uh, equipment. And, you know, and he was just doing it for fun like that. So I jumped behind the third. By then, I had figured out how it works by looking at him. <laughs> so the only thing I didn't know was I didn't know all the, the music. So people will come. Can you play that song? I said, which one is it? They will take the record out, give it uh -huh. to me, and I'll just put it on the table. And, you know, and I, I, and I like that, you know. And it was not about playing the music more. I really liked the technique of it. Like, that was always what, what interests me. Playing with the buttons. <laughs> Playing with the buttons, I think the mixer, and, yeah, the and, mixer and figuring was the out the interesting things. part, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. I know what so, you mean. <laughs> and um, so, in the summer, uh, so that was in the in uh, in February. By the time summer, I, I asked my father to go to the bank. I made a loan, fifteen hundred bucks, mm. to buy a complete system so turntables mixer and all this wow. and there you go i was like i had my own mobile dj hmm. <laughs> so um and uh yeah, you know I started and i did some basic contract with the you know with at the school and things like that and then uh, oh a friend was uh, a wedding so then a wedding and so it grew and yeah, it was going well bought some better equipment and and at some point um that's when he did, that's that, you'll see where I'm coming with that. So mm -hmm. at some point I'm doing a uh, um, an event in a room in an hotel where there's several ballrooms and the guy next door 
I go to see him and he's got way more equipment than I do, much better equipment than I do. He's got lighting and, you know, the whole thing. And uh, so I start, and it's stuff that i never seen before, especially the lighting, because there was one rental house in town, and that was in Sherbrooke. And, uh, you know, there was one rental house for lighting and, uh, you know, so that I knew what he had and it's all different. So I go start talking to him and the, uh, and uh, so he explained that he ran stuff out in Granby city about 150 kilometers mm-hmm. away so and he's got some better stuff there better price so I start dealing with him and uh, he's got some contracts he can do so he gave that to me and and so on and then we first thing we know is we're partnered together and we have started this like little rental company and mm-hmm. we rent equipment and um, we do shows and and uh, uh at some point, also, uh, there's a we got a phone call that was I think that was must be I said 1987. We got a call from a band, local band, heavy metal band, that they need to do a show the next day. The company that was supposed to rent the equipment from them dropped them. They don't have any equipment available, so they're a bit disparate and they need you know sound and light to do the the, the show over the weekend in the bar. And he asked me, have you, do you do sound? I said, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I knew how things worked, but never really mixed a pen in my life. But anyway, so let's go, you know. So uh, I went to, so that day we went to, um, we went to Granby. Uh, we rented fu- a full set, you know, full kit for a band, you know, speaker, mm-hmm. consoles, microphone, everything, effects and all this. Uh, there's a, the, one of the guys there in the shop explained to me how the console works. I never worked with a console like that in my life. He's got the effect rack there. He explained how an insert works. I just don't get it, you know, but it <laughs> doesn't matter. We got to go. <laughs> yeah. So I went there and I, we, we did the setup. We, uh, I spent the whole night uh, trying to figure out how things works. Then go to school the next day wow. and spend the day there, just you know, slept a couple of hours and then went back to the bar and, you know, got everything working. And that's it, you know, and then uh, that's our, I started as an audio guy, not a lighting guy. So uh, yeah, me like, too. I guess yeah, like many of us actually. Yeah. And uh, so I started doing this then. And then as, from there, you know, we did several gig together and there's always also light there and every time that you know we set up the light i have a lot of interest to figure out the best way to set up the light with the smoke so that the beams looks nice and all Mm -hmm. this so although i'm the soundman i will do the focus for the light and i'm not always happy about how the light is being operated because it's usually somebody else maybe a friend of the band or something that was going to operate the light and it will just be playing piano on the on the console like everything goes nothing there's nothing logic to it. There's no nothing, nothing synchronized, so, nothing, nothing uh, synchronized. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. And then, you know, after the first song, you've seen it all, you know, so, <laughs> so still um, happens by the way. Yeah. So yeah, there was always this interest. <laughs> it still happened today. Yes. And so there was a lot of interest into in, in lighting, but you know, but still I was the only one that could do sound at that point, you know, in the company. So I was always doing the sound. Um, <clears throat> And then uh, in in 1980, a couple of years later, uh, we did a lot of show, like a big events. Uh, we got you know not big, but you know we did a fair amount of uh, of gigs, and uh, so uh, it was fun. But we were not really good uh, administrator or anything. We were losing money, mm. uh, especially me. I, like I wasn't interested into the the, the the administrative part. 
and it, it became as you start growing and then we got employees and it get heavy you know and then it's like you don't have the time to do what you want to do you're always like managing things and, yeah uh, so yeah, when common you're story. Like, when you're you're 18 that's not always at least for me that was not what i wanted to do mm -hmm. so um in summary of things it was summer 89 uh, the company we rent equipment in granby called me and said hey i need a some a sound for the summer um could you do that and i said oh that's interesting you know i would just do that you know i don't mm -hmm. have anything to manage so I asked my partner, and at the time, things, you know, the things were slow. And uh, so when there's a couple of gigs, well, okay, we can manage that. So I go to work there, and I really I really enjoyed that. So there's, like, you know, more equipment, mm. and we that's all I have to do, you know. And uh, so I told my partner, I said, you know what? He, he needs another guy here. Why don't we close the company? You come in, you move to Green Bay, and we're going to work here for him instead. And, you know and enjoy enjoy what we do yeah so we did that so close the company and uh and then uh at some point at that point there was a guy there doing lighting which was uh, Patrice Gertin mm -hmm. if you if you know yeah. him he's now a sound he's doing sound now <laughs> but at the time he was the electric the uh, lighting guy of the company and I learned a lot from him like in a short time he's a really good guy to work with really crazy idea and uh so uh and uh, he moved out he went, you know, started doing that shit sound. And then he moved out of the company. So I took his position as lighting guy at that point. And uh, because that was the interest. And it's also the time uh, we start getting moving lights. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we start getting uh, these, uh, there was these little scanner that was like, well, we could rent some, uh, uh, some Klippecky fixtures. And then, uh, and then Martin came up with, uh, with those small little fixtures, which were interesting. We start selling them a lot into installations because oh. that was the first time we had access to a scanner that was like affordable for the time, you know, compared to everything else, which was like thousands and thousands of dollars. Then you had something that you could sell for eight, nine hundred dollars. And you know, so, uh, so we did a lot of a small install with that, with that and, uh, and I got to learn how the controllers work. And that's, this is where the interest into Martin start building up and, uh, that brings basically into 1992 when I went to LDI and uh, and met for the first. That was my first trade show, my first LDI, and uh, then I met this guy, Jens Peter Anderson, uh, uh, in the controller department. Hmm. Um, so that I would say that that was like a, that that event changed everything, and and the reason I went to this uh, trade LDI was with a club owner from Granby. Uh, Guy Nolin, who uh, wanted to open a club um, in uh, in Saint Hyacinthe, and the year before he tried to do one in Sherbrooke at, a, at an old cinema, and that didn't work. The city decided to protect that cinema, uh, mm. and for good reason. That's the Canada, which is a beautiful, yeah. Uh, yeah. But they decided at the time it was abandoned, but they decided to protect it. So, so he was looking to do an, a, a nightclub into a movie theater. And then there was this one in Saint Hyacinthe, and uh, we built a club there called the Casting Club of, uh, back then. And um, he gave me a carte blanche like, mm -hmm. uh, to to do the design. And wow. uh, so I came up with you know something with a rig that moves and everything. And it was like thirty something moving lights, which was big at a time. Yeah, for, still is you know, actually. <laughs> yeah, for, for certain <laughs> and, applications. Uh, 
So we had to make a choice of the moving lights to use. And uh, so that's what, that was the reason to go to Dallas, to, to the LDI. Um, and when I, when I got there, uh, it was like Toys R Us. You know, for kids, <laughs> for, for growing up, you know, first day, I just went around crazy, tried to see everything, but you don't achieve anything. Um, so the second day was more structured. And um, but then is, you know, I would say not to bash on any manufacturer, but it's just an event that happened there. I got I would say I got cold shoulder at different manufacturer. Mm. It was really weird. I was a kid and uh, I felt because I, I was a kid not knowing things. Uh, People, you know, some manufacturer would just push me, kind of say, ah, just go away. You know? yeah. like, they were not interested in talking. And then I went to the Martin boot and then uh, I said, oh, I got this. We have this controller, the 2032. I said, it's great. I like the fact it's graphical, but there's a lot of things missing. You know, it could be much better. And that's when he said, oh, you know what? There's this guy there, Jens Peter. He's the, the head of software. Talk to him, you know. Hmm. And I went to talk to him and he was completely open to ideas. So that changed everything you know the, the attitude was completely different than the uh, the other manufacturers and uh, i say that because i keep reminding this to people when we do trade show you know when a kid comes in the booth you never know who's that kid yeah you know and uh, and i've seen it you know working for martin people coming in the booth and two three years later this kid that came to the booth is now the designer for a major act you know so yeah. you never know when that's was that guy will well, be you especially know, in a here, specialized so. trade show i mean people yeah. who are there have an interest you know they're yeah exactly and, and yeah. you gotta you gotta you know you got to praise this you know when 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 somebody in a young age is interested and to you know ask, ask questions although they're stupid questions because they don't know it doesn't <laughs> matter you know he's got questions so yeah you take some time and you answer that so uh, so I always, yeah, I always tell that story because to me, that's that that event changed everything, you know. Yeah. Um, for after, so that's when the relationship, let's say, started with uh, uh, with uh, with Martin, and uh, yeah, kind of uh, closed the loop there <laughs> on uh, on where I come from. Um, I, what I, I actually I worked in television also. That was the other you know part when I was writing this uh, these things I did. I realized oh yeah that's right. I worked in television and I was pure luck in Sherbrooke. There was a, this a community TV station you know where people uh, yeah I know people this, go there and work the for free yeah I know the station and uh, and there was a um, um, uh, there was a guy coming at the club as a DJ where I work in a, I work also in the club as a DJ for a while. And he was working there and he said, hey, come over. He said, you might like that. So I went there and uh, I learned, you know, in a very short period of time, I learned to do camera, I learned to do audio and TV, I learned to do lighting and TV. I learned to, at some point, that one day he was sick and he couldn't be, he was the uh, uh, the director and he couldn't uh, direct the show. And he said, well, you know, we cancel or you do it. And I said, I'll do it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, nice opportunity. So you just jump and then you know make it happen. So how old um, how, how old were you at that time when you were working at that station? Uh, eighteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So uh, yeah, that, that's that's the thing. In, in in a very short period of time between let's say sixteen and uh, and twenty one, twenty two, there's like so many things that happens. But we would 
Yeah, yeah. I would just jump on everything that uh, was presented and just try to do it and do make well, the most out of it. It's so. a nice period because it's it's uh it's the period where you have the, the biggest learning curve, and it's and also energy. a period where yeah. you have time. Yeah, time and energy also. And energy, you know, like yeah, you that's can, right. Yeah. So, uh, so sleeping is a uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> secondary. Important. I remember we were doing this gig in Miami, and after a huge day of setup and all that. Uh, we say, okay, let's hit the strip. Let's go for a drink. And, and yeah. there was this third guy with us. He says, no, guys, we got to go to bed because we get up early tomorrow. <laughs> I said, listen, we're here for three days. We'll sleep when we get back. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, I, I, it's like trade shows, you know, back then, you know, and like going to trade shows uh, uh, up to, you know, say, up to your uh Say forty years old, 35, 40. That's mm-hmm. different than now. Now it's like I go to a trade show, do the day, you know, and then I got, you know, I would go eat and then sleep. <laughs> yeah, and then they say, oh yeah, we we have a meeting tonight, or we uh, we're we're having some guests for supper. And uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, I'll go, but you or, know, or make it early, like yeah, yeah. make it early. Yeah, <laughs> I'll dump book your dinner at nine thirty at night, you know, something like that. So. But uh, yeah, so young, exactly. You have the energy, and it's yeah, it was fun, you know. And uh, um, to, you know, always try to to reinvent the wheel and, uh, and uh, improve things. Um, so, uh, and, and, and what's interesting also is all these different things we did. You know, uh, uh, you you learn, try to learn the most out of it all the time. I didn't when I worked in Granby, the company I worked there, which was called a Reflex Production. The, the owner was, uh, I'd say, let's say, crazy in a way that he would never, you couldn't say no. Mm-hmm. Customer would come in, say, "Hey, can you do this?" and he would just say yes. And then, but then they was passed to us to execute it. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we did everything, you know, from you know uh, staging to 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 uh, curtains to. Uh, um lighting sound of course and any you know anything that would happen you would just say yes and let's let and we'll figure out yeah we do uh, yeah we would we did a lot of uh skill skating shows in april uh-huh yeah for the different cities so uh we went from the year i started working there they were doing one per week for the five weeks period and uh from uh, end of march till uh, end of april and uh, the next year, so we I did that. So in the work, you know, we manage, and uh, and I was doing all the plots and everything. And and at the time, there was Patrice was still there. That was the lighting guy. So I had that. That was good. I had, you know, I learned from him doing that. The year after, and now I'm on my own there. And uh, and he decided not to do two per week, but to do three shows per week. Hmm. So we take three contracts, three different cities every week. We have the equipment to do one and a half at best. And the staff so, to do one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everything is exactly. So actually everything is rented out, you know, everything else. So we get stuff coming from five different shops. Nothing fits together. Oh. Um, so, and I have to manage this. I, I did all the drawings for all the gigs and, and then try to find people to, to do that. It was just a nightmare. Yeah, well, uh, I've done it. I know what you mean. Yeah, and then I was like, <laughs> after that that week, I said never again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And actually, then I made some med- that, that actually, Then I got into the business part. I started looking at how much we're spending doing all this mm. and uh, money we're making, and I realized actually 
because there's a shortage of your equipment, it doesn't matter. You're going to rent your equipment. If you don't do the contract, your equipment will go out anyway. So I made the math and it was the year after we did a couple of shows that we like to do. That were the cities that we had fun to do and they were paying more money. Mm -hmm. The uh, For the rest of the time, we just rented the equipment and then we made way more money that way. <laughs> I've heard that before. I mean, it's it's a lot less trouble. You, you, you just supply the equipment and you don't have to worry about the gig. You don't have to worry about delivering. And no matter how the gig went, you know you're getting paid. Yeah, exactly. Whereas so. <laughs> if you're if you're delivering the gig and and you screw up, you're not getting paid. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that was also you know, fast learning. Um, what else I did is uh, uh, we we did a lot of uh, at Reflex. We did a lot of gig for Pierre Gravel, who was a yeah. impresario for Andre Philippe Gagnon and and many others. And so we did all the not all, but most of the corporate events for Andre Philippe Gagnon. So we were, you know, sometimes twice a week we would go to Toronto. We had a kit in the corner just for that. Mm. And uh, the, the broadcasts were ready all the time. So we just pack the truck and, and go. And uh, on one gig, I think it was in Ottawa, um, the uh, Pierre Gravel, the impresario, came to me and said, Hey, he said, could you come to my office? I said, I, he said, I might have something for you. Uh, so I go there but was a few days later, I go to meet him. And he said, uh, he explained that he has a tour with an artist. It's a, uh, it's going to be for a Christmas album and it's going to be mainly in churches and, and all along I'm thinking I'm going to be doing the light for that. And that's like, well, wow, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. And, the, the, and then, uh, Tells me to pay and pay is really good. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, really good. And uh, so I said, I said, well, what do I do? I guess I do lighting. He said, no, no, no. He said, you're the tour manager. <laughs> I never did that. Doesn't matter. I'll teach you. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you know when uh, you like yeah, a so, guy, right? <laughs> yeah. And so that was uh, Joanne Blouin. Oh, uh, okay. And uh, yeah, and actually that was that that tour. That was really short. That was only two. Let's say, well, the whole with the, with the word, the pre-leg works was about three months of work mm -hmm. uh, till the end of December. And um, we did, I believe, something like 50 shows in that period of time. So it was pretty intense. It was one yeah. city after the other, always in churches, but always with people that have no clue what they're doing. You mm -hmm. know, they are people who organize those shows. So it was a fast, fast learning curve for me. And yeah. uh, had a good teacher with uh, with Pierre Gravel, telling me uh, you know a lot of tricks. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that was really I really enjoyed that. Although I knew that that was not something I would do for a living. I, I, it was not what I really drive drive for. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, it was a, I knew it was a really good uh, uh, learning uh, thing to do. And uh, it gave me a structure, I would say. Like I learned, you know, that like mm -hmm. I, I was maybe not as structured before. So it gave me a structure how to work with people, how to manage people. Uh, so that was another good experience. Yeah, it's always, it, it, it's, it's very beneficial for teamwork when you have a good idea of what the others on your team are doing. Yes, I always said that. I always said that, like, like when to people that wants to learn for the in, in the industry, start. Yes, it's boring, but start by pushing the road cases. Yeah, and you know, loading trucks, and then I said the day because I said the day that you're directing a crew and you ask them to do things that are impossible because you never did it. Yeah, that's when the frustration starts. Yeah, that's it's right. Like, I mean, you know, I, I, I said. Mean, if, 
How many times have I told this? I mean, I'm uh, I'm I'm on a show. I'm directing the focus, and there's a guy, you know, balancing on a truss up there, and you ask him to turn a park hand, and the park hand's jammed. And, uh, and, 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 you know, I asked, okay, bring it over here. And it's not moving. I say, is it stuck? He says, yeah. I said, the hell with it. Move on to the next one. Yeah, Are exactly. you serious? I said, I, I, I said, I don't care about the park hand. I care about you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We all worked like this. We all came across some, you know, fancy designer who never touched anything in there, you know. Yeah. And then they would ask you to add, to hang a lico there. Yeah, like, yeah, but there's nothing there, you know. And it has you know, to be yeah. there, right? Yeah, but they want it there. It's like, well, no, it's like, yeah. I understand that that's what you want, but mm. right now that's not possible. You know, with some planning, it would have been possible. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, you but, you hang yeah. it. You show me how it's done. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you seem to know better than I do, right? So go, go right ahead, show me. <laughs> oh God, how many so, stories uh, do we have like that? Yeah. <laughs> Carry on, my friend. I'm sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> no, no, that's good. Uh, so, and then um, let's. I mean, if we go, if we go back then to uh, well, let's go back, but uh, or move forward uh, <laughs> to working with. Um, uh, I started working for Ericsson Pro, like I said before, as a, a product specialist. They hired me at a time because I, I would say I knew more about the product than themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they would call me to add to answer questions for their own customers. Um, and because I got a lot of interest into the, the products, so I knew I took them apart and rebuilt them. And so I was really good at knowing how the product works. So I was hired there and I did a Yes, pretty good job, especially in the beginning, to give really good customer service. Because to me, I knew, I would say, what was before I got hired, I knew the customer service was not to the level it needed to be, uh, especially for those products. Mm-hmm. So I knew the frustration. So I didn't want anybody to live the same frustration, you know, with, our, with those products. And uh, so I stepped up the uh, customer service. Um, and that made, I would say at the time, it's not because in, let's say 1995, 96, 97, it's not because Martin had the best product on the market, uh, at the time, but in Canada, we definitely had the best customer service hmm. and, uh, and that made a difference with the rental house, um, who were not happy, let's say dealing with others and their, and their customer service. I, I so understand. I, at a certain point, it's product for product. It's it's who you want to work with. Yeah, and, and uh, you want to you have a, you you want the peace of mind that if there's a problem, it's going to get fixed because there's always problem. You know, there's no perfect product that yeah. works all. There's, there's always something happening. You know, yeah. even the best product at some point there could be a patch. It could be many things, but something will go wrong, and that's when customer service needs. Uh, uh, makes a difference, and uh, but along that uh, we, you know, we did the uh, there was like the leg jockey development that was happening, and uh, we did a series of installs in Canada, and you would, uh, the famous players cinema at the time, which are now Cineplex, mm-hmm. and uh, we did twenty one of them, and uh, in, in the lobby, installed in the lobby, and it started in ninety. The first one was done in 98, I think, and it's been over until 2002, I think. Uh, 
but in the early days, we used like, the first one we did, I think, was Ottawa. And we did it with a, a, a piece of software that marketing was selling that was not designed for that at all. It was designed for theater purpose. It was uh, called the Proscenium. And it was uh, some, uh, I think, the Italian guys who designed that. And it was, it was interesting for theater at a time but not for an install but that's all we had as a software mm -hmm. so we did an install with that and it was just awful and then light jockey was in development so for the next one i said let's use a light jockey software and we started but it was missing a lot of things it was still you know in these early days yeah now one of the things that was not there at all there was no scheduling and uh to um so we knew by experience that with the one in Ottawa, people would not turn on the, the show at all. So it would run 24 seven. Hmm. So after a few months, all the lamps were toast. So yeah. we wanted to have a schedule. So the next one, you know, we said, well, we got to have a, some timers to start and stop the show and all this. And I asked the developer in Denmark, Jens Peter, I said, could you add this to the software? And like, I explained what I wanted to do. And uh, and he said, he said, I don't have time for this at all. He said, I got this and this and this to do. And uh, this is more way more important than that. And, and I understood because what I was asking for was for one specific job, while the rest he had to do was, you know, for the, what the, the life of the product would be in more for nightclubs. And yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so he said, but he said, you know what? He said, if, if you want, just do it yourself. And I said, oh, okay, that's interesting point of view, you know. <laughs> so, and he, he uh, all he did is he gave me a short example how I could access the the code. Uh, so is he that... gave me somebody. He gave me a back door, I would say, to the yeah. software to to trigger things. But and, at that point, uh, did you know how to code, or did you no, learn on no. the spot? Oh, I learned on the spot. Oh wow! So, uh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, and then he, he gave me that, and then there was uh, it was done in Delphi. Delphi. Delphi, so it's in Pascal language, mm -hmm. and uh, there was one guy at the at the at the at the Ericsson Pro who knew about that, and he basically said, "Oh yeah, so you can download this," and uh, they had a free version of the software uh, of the compiler. So I downloaded this, and he showed me a couple of things and how how to make a button and basically and change a, a circle which will mimic an LED, for example, to change color. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much all I got, and then I start reading about it and and uh, and, then, and then whenever i get stuck i would ask the guy in denmark say, hey uh, i tried to do this and that doesn't work and he would just give me a small example and then oh, okay i figure it out and hmm. that's power so i don't if you were to look at my code it's not the most organized <laughs> i don't have I'm, i would say i'm always miss the uh, the base uh for coding hmm. um but i know my way around to uh to get things happening yeah well, you did it the other way around. So yeah, so I I, I learned how to code on my own, basically by reading books and asking questions, and uh, uh, and then you get better and better at it, and then you you know, start pushing it. And uh, so I got the chance to I wrote a couple of plugins, and it, it, and it was things by int by not interest by need. So the scheduler was the first thing I needed that. Mm -hmm. And then as you start doing this, then you realize, oh, you know, you need this, you need that, and then there's like a lot of elements you need. It's not just putting you know a list that triggers a time. People wants to have different schedule for a different day. Uh, and then I heard at some point it was an install done on a cruise ship. And that was a very interesting one. And they put a scheduler in it. Hmm. But they forgot that the boat moved. 
Oh, it's not always in the same time zone. Oh yeah, there's that. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> yes, and, and and I'm like, oh, that's okay, that's interesting. And, and let's and let's let's time this event. I mean, did you have access to internet at the time, or or was that? Uh, yes, yes. We're, we're 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 actually. I started. I mean, first of all, computer wise, I started uh, like. Young, I didn't have any computer. My friends had computer. We didn't have the money at home. So mm-hmm. I never got into a computer. At school, in grade six, we had Commodore 64. We were a test class for computing. So we, uh, you know, so we got access yeah, well, to this. Yeah, we went to school pre-internet. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in 19, uh, when I moved to Gambry, so I was in 1989, uh, 80, um, my girlfriend was in university needed to do some word perfect and uh, we didn't have any money uh, enough money to buy you know uh, yeah. and by 89 year, the 386 was out the 386 was about to come out i guess yeah, yeah. Like that, that was a lot of money back then yeah and one of the guy coming at the shop was always like playing with old computers and said hey i got an 8088 i could like sell you for 200 bucks and mm-hmm. as like an old 8088 88 and um and then I went to buy a printer and that was basically for her to do her own works. The guy who gave me that computer or I bought the computer from was also doing uh, electronic. And he said he, he put a piece of software called RCAD, which is to design PC boards, mm-hmm. as you know. And he said, uh, he said oh, if you want to play with that and start playing with that, then I realized I could do my uh, uh, 2D plots for shows with that. I was using oh, the yeah. wire basically to make <laughs> lines, but then it was tedious. If I wanted to do a par, I needed to design it by line and then just copied it. And it was like really sluggish, <laughs> but there was a library of components in that, like chips and all this. So I called uh, this guy. I said, hey, uh, that software, there's a there's a, a library of components. Do you know if there's any way to add things to that, you know? He said, oh yeah, yeah, he said, it's easy. He said, there's a decompiler and a compiler. So you decompile the file and you edit it in ASCII and then you recompile it. And I'm like, this is all like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so basically every night when coming back from work, I would just sit down and try to figure out what he meant, you know? And, uh, and at some point, you know, looking in the folders, I saw there was a file called decomp and comp i said okay that must be the decompiler and the compiler for the library and after a many trial and error i figured out how to decompile a library into an ascii file just a text file (laughs) and then it was all basically dots and pound so when it's a dot it's a dark it's a an off pixel when it's a pound it's an on pixel Mm. so you would draw basically the objects in that then when you compile it it would become this object on the screen, you know. So I did a complete library of brings bars back memories. Bars man. <laughs> so, I did, so that was my first CAD. My first CAD was a PC board CAD, and that's how I did. Actually, I did a, little, a lot to it. Like that nightclub I did in uh, in '92 was completely designed in this. Uh, all the you know all the drawings were done and technical drawings were done with that software and that's when i got after that i got a 480 i had the money to buy a 486 mm. uh, computer so i went from an 8088 to a 486 that was the jump i did wow. <laughs> uh, i had a database at a time which would take about five minutes to compile in my 8088 
And when I ran it on 46 the first time, I thought it was not working, but it actually was just compiling like, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's, you know, and then that's when the interest into computers started. At the time, I was on um, CompuServe. Mm-hmm. So I started in the uh, early uh, 90s into CompuServe. That was before the internet. That's, and um, and then after that, uh, there was BBS. If you mm-hmm. remember that, those yeah. the BBS. You would connect worldwide. So Martin had the BBS. I would download the software mm. from their BBS, which would cost me a fortune in long distance because this was all done. Oh, yeah, through, all done through telephone line to over Denmark. I, yeah. I remember one month I had a $600 bill. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so we were talking 1990 three something like that mm. and i uh <clears throat> uh I, I called the telco and i said you know i i said i don't want to pay that and they said the reason is like i tried to connect there and, and it was through the line kept cutting so i was down start downloading a 1.4 megabyte file which was the floppy you know for yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, which would normally would take about half an hour and then but after 15 minutes it would crash so you start again and the long mm. distance bill would just grow so Anyway, so they, they they were they were fair with me. They credited the whole thing. And, uh, wow, <laughs> I got away with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, I got away with it. Uh, so yeah, that's like. <laughs> and then uh, that's when yeah, so that's when computer you know was, was my interest into computer started, and uh, uh, and then the internet, and of course when the internet arrived around ninety five, I was the first on it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> that was convenient. So, there wasn't, oh, yes. there wasn't much on it at the time. No, and I remember setting up an email system in the office at the Ericsson Pro, and people thought it was useless. Yeah. And um, because I say, you know, like they would fa- they would send fax between departments. That was a pretty big building. I said, no, <laughs> just send an email. Yeah. I said, yeah, but then I had to check the email because there was the guy at the parts. He didn't like it. I uh, said, no, you just like I'll send you a text and you can open it. And oh yeah, but then I have to start the software and look at it. Just leave it open. <laughs> yeah, but that yeah, that so. wasn't. Uh, I mean, a computer you would shut it off when you weren't using it at the time and when you wanted to turn it back on it would take forever uh, to boot up and and be ready and then you have to go into the the, to the program and whatever um yeah and i remember the first days of internet where i i a friend of mine actually is a cousin of mine who introduced me to internet and he says well all you have to do is anything you you want to know you just search for it and you'll find it and and my question was, well, who puts all this stuff online, and what for? <laughs> now, today we no, understand. It, it, I mean, there was something about, I, yeah, and there was also something. I remember vividly how I created my first website and uh, and put it online, and people could have access to it. And there was a feeling of. Uh, and I, it's hard to describe, but it's just like suddenly you could just like that publish something mm. and people could read it. And then I created a, a, a forum of discussion that was called the, uh, um, uh, what is it called again? Light, 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 light something. And uh, that was before the light network, you know, which became, you know, mm-hmm. if you remember the light network, which became really popular. It was just before that. And that's actually how I got to know. Uh, the light network. I had this like uh, uh, this uh, this light uh, discussion group. Mm-hmm. The light. It was called the light group. There you go. So it's called the light group. Yeah. And uh, 
a guy came, Mats Carlson, who's from um, uh, Sweden, which I and he was working for the high-end distributor at the time. And he came to that forum and he said, hey, Paul, he said, maybe you should go over to this like network. There's a lot of talk about Martin there. <laughs> uh, and uh, so that's how I got to know Light Network. But yeah, so I created a group. But it was interesting because suddenly I had people from India, people from like all over the, the world starting to communicate. And we're talking 90, like 96, 97, you know, so the very, very early days. Of You're the, actually I, uh, uh, bypassing the, the official uh, media channels. Yes, and, yes, exactly. And you're just creating yeah. your own thing. And yeah. I mean, internet actually uh, allowed people to get a voice out there and, and to gather up without being dependent on whatever the broadcasters would allow. Yeah, exactly, know. yes. To reach the public. So, so there was a, uh, it, it was a pretty, uh, a very interesting period uh, of time. <clears throat> hmm. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, of course, uh, the, the, the after that, uh, the, the whole time at Martin was like, a, that was an amazing time. Like, the whole time I worked for Martin because we were, the, the group of people there was just amazing still amazing the people there like, you know, there's not as many as they were um at the time mm. um but a lot we more were competition like, too right? so yes of course things have changed you know a yeah. lot and uh but we had a group of product manager there that was just outstanding and we could do the the way that what was really interesting actually is we, everybody was involved in everything in a way mm. so everybody has a specialties and you know, as product manager but as a group we would discuss all the projects and everybody would be able to bring this idea we were able to shout at each other without getting angry after you know so mm. we could tell you know <laughs> this is a bad idea you shouldn't do it like that nobody would get pissed off and so we had this dynamic going down which is very difficult to build actually yeah you, you know uh, and but we had that there so that was really uh, uh, a very good and, and interesting period and also good learning again it's always about learning you know and that's what i like to do so you learn from everything everybody you learn from you learn about management you learn about uh, uh, sales marketing and uh, so and that's the beauty of being product manager is you're in the middle of everything in a way so you end up touching uh, uh, every aspect of a product, and that's always a. So, and and how did that transition happen from Martin to uh, where you are? You're at ChromaCube now, right? So um, after uh, after a while, you know, at Martin, things that they, 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 we went through uh, different owners. So there was Cole who was the company behind, and then uh, uh, Harmon came. And then they were purchased by Samsung. So the dynamic had changed a fair amount. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, it was, you know, it, it was all cool in a way that I didn't, uh, I didn't see myself into where they were going. And uh, at some point, that's when you realize that, you know, I don't fit there anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, it's not, it's not me anymore. And uh, so I just, I was like, it, the timing was good. I didn't know what to do exactly. Um, then uh, I, I had a discussion with uh, with JF, who's my boss now at uh, Chroma Q. Uh, and um, so we talked and then he said, yeah, I said, well, you know, I, I could have something. And I was like, okay, well, let's talk. 
and, and you know there was a good interest there and then i realized the other fit was not working anymore so the timing was perfect so i said i told martin that it was you know that was that was i was leaving there that was the, the end of it um so people were a bit shocked by that of course uh well yeah how long have you been uh martin well the involvement at the time was about 25 years wow. so uh, starting from 92 full-time there was since 2008 mm. um uh, sorry, to, uh, yeah, 2008 to, to 2017, yes, yeah, so. Oh, a good 15 years. Uh, and, uh, yeah, no, it's yeah. been, it was tough. I mean, I was like, it was a, uh, years. the day that I called and I said, that's it. Uh, it was a rough day, like really rough. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, I knew that, that was the, the right thing. And a few weeks after, it turns out, you know, that, then Harman decided to do a house clean, clean up, and then a lot of people were let go, unfortunately. And people thought that I knew what was happening. I didn't know what was happening exactly. I knew something was up. Mm. I never expected that, but I knew that I didn't fit there anymore at the time. So, uh, um, and then they got rid of. I knew that they would get rid of controllers uh, eventually. So yeah. that was, you know, that, that was. I kind of got the confirmation of that through the discussion I had. So, and, you know, it's, I understand why they did that. I don't agree with it. I understand why I didn't agree at the time, but then that's this, their money, their decision, you know, and their, um, so you have to just have to accept it. You know, you cannot just start that. Well, exactly. I always say if I thought, if I thought I could do better than my employer, I'd be a competitor. So, uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, and they have they, they have their point of view and uh, on uh, what what they wanted to focus on, and they you know, Martin is still well alive and still doing great fixtures, and, uh, mm. and that's 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 okay. Uh, so anyway, so I, yeah, then I went to work for Chrome IQ, and that was also that that has been a really interesting thing, also because it's a very different company, um, um, much uh, I would say much smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the chain of command is really short, you know, so that that helps a lot taking decision. Yeah. Um, no matter what, you know, Martin. What in, in the old days of Martin, it was kind of like that. But then over time, when you get into this more corporate thing, and then you want to ask uh, for traveling, and you need to go to three different, four different person mm. to get an answer, um, that's more difficult. So, yeah. so it was good to be back at a you know in a small smaller. Uh, company and the other thing is that as much of course at martin i was doing controllers um but we were always involved in fixtures somewhere i knew about the leads from what i learned at martin but never really dig into you know deep into that so when i joined chroma q i thought i knew about the leads you know Mm -hmm. and then i realized i didn't know much about the leads and then because (laughs) you then you get really that's what i do now i don't do i uh, i that's I concentrate on fixtures, you know, and LEDs, and uh, and we do a lot of our, our own uh, design and uh, in-house. Uh, we don't have, you know, we don't we don't. Everything is done in Toronto, so if you know if you know a bit, uh, oh, so no, we I manufacture. Didn't. Yeah, we manufacture and design uh, everything in Toronto. That still exists. Yes. Wow, I'm amazed. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, uh, and, and and it's got pros and cons, you know, uh, well, of course. Uh, in, in doing this. But the big pro is the control of uh, the, uh, the the product, control of the quality, and the to the extent you can go into the the details of the quality of the calibration and all this. So I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought I knew about this, and then you when you realize when you start digging into that how complex <laughs> LEDs can be. 
Yeah. Uh, when you start manage, I mean, doing one fixture once is simple as when you want to manufacture tons of products all the same. That's a whole different world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, of, there's uh, a whole bunch uh, of issues and. It, there's yeah. issues there's like and, and right now you know with the situation with the components and all this it's just you know you just want to pull your hair out i'm surprised there's like it's not falling one of that <laughs> <laughs> well it's, these are uh, special times um, yeah yes uh, hopefully that's gonna well it, i think it's getting better but you know that's been a special uh, you know the last 18 months have been quite quite special for that um but you know where things are good because we do a lot in the cinema and the tv world which is really active through the pandemic so yeah that's a good thing because uh mm. if everything came to a halt i mean uh, that would be catastrophic it, it yes, already yeah. is catastrophic mm. as far as I'm it concerned. is it is i yeah. I, I mean i for all, when i think about the people doing uh you know touring and all this you know it's it's just terrible you know? oh yeah the live show event the club scene uh all, all this stuff i mean this is a big big part of the economy and it, it's all at a dead stop and a lot of it is dead period um so, so yeah it's a hard hit but the good thing with the pandemic is i learned how to cook a bit more so it's not <laughs> something something i always kind of uh Looking at it, I was like, I liked watching shows about cooking, you know, and but never had time to do anything. So now I started doing, and I do, do I start doing bread. Bread is really interesting <laughs> because you think it's simple, and it's not. <laughs> I thought of it, it can be complicated making yeah. breads, you know, yeah. and you know, there's so many variables to get to the perfect result, you know. Yeah, it's all about <laughs> chemicals. <laughs> it's chemicals, it's temperature, it's uh, yes. Uh, yeah, kind of I always say <laughs> we must not be uh, afraid of chemical uh, of chemicals because they're all made of natural ingredients. Yes, <laughs> it's so, just the yeah. reaction that's different. Yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, that was that, that was I would say the good side of the pandemic was like uh, staying mm. home. You learn, you know, so like let's let's use the time to do things. And uh, oh, yeah, I became and what you basement. see behind me there is that's the other well, part yeah. of my life is photography. So, yeah, uh, of course, our listeners can't see that, but there's a wall behind you with, uh, uh, how many cameras are there? Oh, Have I you know, counted that them? Picture, I don't know, but they're, they're, I got about 450 cameras. 450 <laughs> cameras. Yeah, and I see some of those. Digital oh. and, so it's, it's, yeah. it's, if I can open up on that, <laughs> oh, go right ahead. To the industry, but uh, it's uh, it, it started as uh, well. First of all, I had a I, uh, I, I bought a Canon camera. Uh, uh, no, sorry, a Nikon camera. Uh, back in the days, it was a, a film SLR, and um, yeah, I think it was in 1999. Somebody and you know, I live in Ville Saint Laurent. Somebody broke in in my place and stole some stuff and. The camera was gone. Mm. Um, so when the insurance came and uh, did the claim, they wanted to give me another film camera, and the digital camera would just started. Mm. So I argue with them that you know whatever they would give me would not be as good as this old camera and Nikon had as a film. It would be like a more of a plastic version, or whatever. So I convinced mm. them to that I could spend the money on a digital camera. So when and I bought an Olympus C two thousand at the time, which was a uh, which was a two megapixel camera, a 2.1 megapixel, yeah. which was, you know, big deal at a time, yeah. beautiful lens on the camera. Yeah. So, and uh, so that's when I got interested into digital. Uh, and then I bought, I went up to all the way to a, uh, 
uh, a 5D Mark II uh, in 2008. Uh, along that, at some point, I got somebody gave me some uh, uh, older camera, and I put that on a shelf, and I had those those uh, IKEA CD shelf, yeah. you know. The, and um, so I took some CDs out, and I put a camera there. I said, oh, "That looks cool." <laughs> then I got another one, another one, another one, and I was taking CDs out, and that. To a point, somewhere I said, okay, let's get rid of all the CDs because there's no point, there's no use for that. So <laughs> put that in the basement. And I started filling up this these cabinets with camera. And I started with the angle, let's buy the first digital camera of every brand. That's That was the angle I gave, it, gave to it. And also for film, let's just buy a camera that looks nice, you know, that have something nice to yeah. it. But then, of course, it went wider than that you know, over time, you know. And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I got, I mean, digital-wise, I not all of them, but I pretty much have, like, you know, I'd say the first one of every major brand mm. of a camera. Uh, I got all, you know, the Sony with the floppy disk. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so wow. they came up. I don't know. They have, uh, they have, yeah, was it 16? I think they made 16 different models. Of camera with floppies hmm. and i got all of that so and uh, oh. <laughs> things like that so so that's the point that's all you know so oh, let's get all the time so we'll get all the sony ones you know? <laughs> um so yeah, that was a so I it's had, a, i had a zenit 35 millimeter yeah, at, at yeah i have one a thing that i think i have a zenit somewhere yeah that's a i'll bet i'll bet it's mine so I think <laughs> you might have the one I had. I don't know. Oh, okay, it's possible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, eBay, you know, is a source. I also uh, black market now on Facebook. You know, people like people like local. Hmm. You can buy local, so you don't have to pay for the shipping. Because a lot of time, I buy cameras. I pay more for the shipping than the can the actual camera. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, what a passion, man! Over four hundred and fifty cameras. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. No, so ph photography is something I like. There's a connection between photography and lighting, of course. Well, yeah. And uh, absolutely, uh, I like. I, I don't do portraits and stuff like that. That's not, I don't do people pictures much, mm -hmm. other than family. Uh, but like, I like to do landscape. I like to do cities. Like to do cityscape. Uh, yeah, I've seen. Like a, do, I've like, seen night, some of your work yeah, on yeah. on Facebook. Night right? photographies yeah. is always interesting. Like long exposure, and so that's that's what I uh, enjoy doing. That's really cool. Yeah. Hey, Paul, yeah. Uh, this has been uh, a wonderful experience because I think this is the first time we actually take the time to sit down and have a conversation. I think so, yes. <laughs> we, we are. <laughs> it's always like job-related, then we don't have time. Uh, well, yeah, good. exactly. Yeah. So now the only thing missing is the beer. We'll have to do that sometime. So, yes. So, <laughs> I want to invite Pierre also. Of course, he's got to be there. He's got. <laughs> yeah, oh, this is going to be. be yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, that's one thing. You know, I didn't talk. You know, there's like that did, we didn't talk about, but there's you know so many people over time that influence what you do, mm. and um, it's always interesting to see. Like you know, I talk about the when I were in television. There was this guy called Roger Pelty, which not not related, uh, not family related, but, you know, the information, what he gave me at a time was amazing, you know, the, the little bit of information he was able to give me was amazing to me, you know, and it just pushed me further. Mm. And uh, and then you look at all these people over time, and Pierre is one of them, you know, and uh, that I got to learn when he was doing Voivod at a time, and he rented some scanner in Granby, and that's what, and I had to teach him how to use uh, 
the, the Martin controller. Mm. Um, so all these, and, and but at the same time, you know, you learn from these people because they also, they, they, they're always people that, I've, when I look back, actually, all the people that I have um, a lot of respect for are usually people that talk in something that they, they were able to exchange, you know, yep. you would teach them something they would teach back, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, exactly. And I, I must admit, I've learned quite a few tricks looking over Pierre's shoulder. Oh yes, uh, a <laughs> Paul. It's been it's been wonderful. I thank you so much for uh, well, for giving us your time, and hopefully well, I, I got it recorded this time. I... <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I got the uh, I should have the recording also here, so if you get in trouble, yeah, uh, that's great. <laughs> okay, so. anything you want to say before? Uh, we sign off well thank, thank you it's great that you do that it's great that you know to to get to know people and uh, where they come from and something you know if it, you it's always good to watch also others and their where was their how they got there mm-hmm. and just to show you know it's not about you know, school is important of course but it's there's not only that there's you know all the people you meet and what you do what you take out of this and uh, always i always like to listen to people even if i don't agree with them yeah uh, with what they say, I would listen to them, and um, then you don't have to do it. You can just listen, take the part you like, and leave the rest. And, of course, so, of course, yeah. yeah. There's always something. Uh, there's always a little something. Even even people who, which who you don't does, uh, you don't agree. There's always a little something. There's a, yes. a, there's always a takeaway somewhere in there. And, and sometimes yeah. later on, either later on, you would say, "Oh yes, he was right," or "Oh yes, I was right." You know, and yeah. that's it. You know, yeah. So. <laughs> and sometimes we're both right. So yeah. <laughs> depends on the context. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. All right. Good. Well, All take right. care, Paul. Take care, Claude. Thank you. The Backstage Cowboys podcast is brought to you by AVL Media Group and Avolites, who make the best lighting consoles in the world. If you live in Canada, you now have access to the Avolites Academy online learning platform. The cost is $229, and that includes an editor Avo key delivered directly to your door. Head on over to BackstageCowboys.com and click on the Avolites Academy logo to get all the details.